Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. I can't think of a better way to mark episode number 200 than to bring back my first guest, the very talented and very funny Julie Halston. I'm no idiot. I knew I would hit a home run by inviting (laughs) Julie to kick off this brand new venture. During that May 22nd, 2013 premiere conversation, we talked about what it was like growing up on Long Island, her early days as a struggling actress, how far she's come, and what it takes to stay successful as the years go by. Julie's had a pretty successful career with a slew of credits to her name. I'm going to rattle off a few. On Broadway, You Can't Take It With You. On The Town, Anything Goes, The Revival of Gypsy. Off-Broadway, the Lincoln Center original production of The Babylon Line, The Secret Garden, the original productions of The Divine Sister, The Vagina Monologues, Love, Loss, and What I Wore. Fame came through her performances in the comedies of writer-actor Charles Bush, including Vampire Lesbians of Sodom as well as The Divine Sister. Julie has also performed a series of one-woman comedy shows. I've seen several, and they are hilarious. A multiple Drama Desk Awards nominee, she's won four MAC Awards, that's Manhattan Association of Cabarets and Clubs, and was also on the receiving end of the 2013 Nightlife Award for Outstanding Comedy Performer. Her TV credits include roles in Sex and the City. She played Bitsy Von Muffling, Law and Order, Criminal Intent, My So-Called Life. For those of you who are meeting Julie for the very first time, it won't take long for you to be smitten. So, Julie, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. I am very happy to be here. And, you know, congratulations, 200. I look good for 200. This is very good. (laughs) Yes, Yes, we look good for 200. Who would have thunk? Who Who would have thunk thunk it? Yeah. So I'm going to begin by asking, so what's next? So what's new? I'm actually living in Princeton, New Jersey right now, basically like on the campus of Princeton University. You never thought you'd get to Princeton? Well, it's Hogwarts. <laughs> basically, it's Hogwarts. Any Why? Minute, well, have you ever been there? I don't know from Harry Potter. I'm oh, not a Harry, okay. But I, I've certainly been to Princeton University. Well, it looks like Oxford, you know. I mean, it's very, very grand. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I, every time I walk across the campus, I feel like there are people going like, security, security. <laughs> right. I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get that girl out of here. She doesn't belong here. Maybe they think you're with the cleanings. Yeah, well, it's, it's very sad. But uh, we're doing a very, very exciting project. Ken Ludwig, who is one of the most successful playwrights actually working today, he was the playwright of Lend Me a Tenor. Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh He's adapted the fantastic Agatha Christie property, Murder on the Orient Express, which is one of my favorite movies from the 70s. Um, (laughs) You look good for the 70s. That's how old we are. (laughs) And I'm playing Lauren Bacall. No kidding. Oh, yes. I'm very excited about that. And I have to say, the minute you say Murder on the Orient Express, people know that title. Mm -hmm. They know the story. Well, people of a certain age. Yeah, people of a certain age. But Agatha Christie, as we know, is the most, I guess, successful writer, like, on the planet? It's something crazy. Well, do you need to say female writer? No, you don't need to say I think she's one of the biggest, biggest, Well, she's certainly in the top ten. Top ten. Anyway, it's a stage adaptation of Murder on the the Orient Express, and a movie starring Kenneth Branagh uh-huh. as Poirot is coming out in November of this year, and then we are, you know, keeping fingers crossed. That you're heading to heading New York to City? Heading to the big Rialto <laughs> mm-hmm. in the spring. So a year uh, from now, yes. basically. Yeah, like uh-huh. a year from now. But, you know, listen, it may not happen, but... <laughs> 
you could certainly see it happening. And um, the Agatha Christie estate is very excited to that this property is out there and it was it's never it was never done. No, stage, that's what's ever? so amazing to me. Wow. And, you know, there are so many titles of hers, Death on the Nile, Murder on the Orient Express, that were made into very successful movies. But this has never been done, as far as we know. I mean, The Mousetrap, of course, is still running uh, you know 62 what, years later or something. <laughs> well, you know what's interesting? I want your take on this, too. Now, granted, so Murder on the Orient Express has never been done as live Broadway theater. Right. But what what do you think it means when... There tend to be more revivals than there are. Now, this is not a new play that somebody just didn't write this, but it's still in that same, you know, it's never been done before on Broadway. What does that mean to you? What does that say about Broadway that, oh, we should stick with Miss Saigon again or Fiddler on the Roof or whatever? Right. Well, the thing that is hard is, first of all, creating new work for either off-Broadway or Broadway, certainly Broadway. The economics are really hard. And... It has to be something that's worked on, and that takes money, too. You don't usually just start a new work mm-hmm. and bring it fresh to Broadway. Mm-hmm. This town is tough. Yeah, right. Do you know what I mean? And I they'll, certainly they'll, understand They'll, they'll kill the you in a second. Yeah. It's really an economic situation. To get a creative team together, to get a theater, to work on it. It takes years Mm -hmm. to really do that. So it could be very discouraging, too. It could be very discouraging, and that's why there are all sorts of programs involving, for example, uh, colleges and nonprofit organizations that try to steer artists into programs where they can develop work sort of outside the big economics Mm -hmm. first Mm -hmm. to see what they have. So that's why revivals are frequently done. They go, well, you know. That's it, a hit. It worked. Yeah. It yeah. worked mm-hmm. once before. Right. We don't have to rewrite the book, The right. Fiddler on the Roof. Right. It's working. Um, oh, is it, and the hope is that there's another generation out there. Although, exactly. Exactly. I've talked about this a lot with some of my guests. And what concerns me, though, Julie, if they say, well, there's another audience out there, like my kids, for example, never saw Fiddler. But they're not going to the theater. No. When that's I look a big in the problem. theater, it's me who I oh, see. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, I know. That's the, the, the phenomenon of Hamilton, which is that young people are going to Hamilton. But that's the genius of Lynn Manuel, is that he created something very extraordinary with the music that young people like and listen to. Well, he had street cred within the Heights. And he had the street cred. He also had the theater cred. Mm-hmm. He had, you know. So that was a sort of confluence of all fabulous major things coming together, you know, to form the plan, Which is not normally the norm. No, it's not at all the norm. Mm-hmm. That's why it's a phenomenon. But you're absolutely right. You know, no kid is going to go, well, you know, I'll just spend $300 for a house seat. Mm-hmm. That's just cuckoo. You know, I'm an adult who can, and I'm not going to pay $300 for a house seat. That's sure. cuckoo pants. Sure. But also, there are many people who will and do. And so... That becomes an issue. So you don't However, feel... there are lots of ways to get cheaper tickets. You know, the death of theater has been pronounced... For years. For years mm. and years and years mm-hmm. and years, and it just hasn't died yet. Well, no, that's great. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's like my mother. <laughs> it won't die. <laughs> it just won't die. <laughs> so I think it's uh, very tricky economically. 
however. Every time I think to myself, oh, my goodness, you know, nothing's going on in the theater. It's become like, you know, 18th century opera or, you Mm -hmm. know, art songs or whatever. Then the phenomenon of Hamilton happens and you go, "Okay, well, there's a revitalization. So it's always tricky. But here's the thing. People like being in a room with other people watching something together. Live theater. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Right. And there are enough people who still want to do it. And now it's just a matter of getting young people to consider that a viable situation on a Saturday night. Dear Evan Hansen is doing tremendous business. Right, right. And Mm -hmm. young people are going. My stepdaughter, Lindsay, you know, she's in her 30s. She immediately got the soundtrack Mm -hmm. and she went out and got tickets immediately. And she loved it. You were recently in a play called Babylon Line. That's right. That was a Lincoln Center production, which was an original, not a revival. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about your feelings about things like that. Do you have a preference? Would you rather do something like that than be in a revival of Gypsy? No, I don't care. As long as the material is great, you know. And believe me, you know, over the years I've had to do material that is less than great. Sure. Because, well, you got to pay know, the bills. you got to pay the bills. Luckily, I'm in a position now where, you know, I can be a little more juicy mm-hmm, and whatnot. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. The Babylon line was very exciting for me because I wanted to work with the great playwright Richard Greenberg. And it also had to be about Long Island. But let me tell you, the process took years. Richard wrote that play a long time ago. We did a reading of it five years ago, six years ago. And um, and never heard anything and back. And then he put it back in his drawer. Wow. And, you know, I remember we were all sitting there going, oh, my goodness, this is fascinating. This is a fascinating play. And then it was revived by New York Theater and Film at Vassar in Poughkeepsie. They pulled it out of the drawer and said, hey, we should take a look at this. We did it, a workshop sort of production up there. And they felt, hey, we do have something here. And then Andre Bishop had us do a reading of it. So, you know, again, it took years. And there's sort of no method to the madness in that sense. No. You know, it's almost whimsy. Is Somebody it, opened the draw again. Exactly. You know? And said, oh, let me take a... I mean, literally, Joanna Feltzer was going through stacks of scripts, scripts and saw Richard Greenberg's name, pulled it out. I mean, Wow, is crazy. that how things are done? That you could, you know, dance as fast as you can and it doesn't make a difference. Right, it could just you know? be pure happenstance. Yeah. But the creative process can be like that. You know, when I watch, you know, because I'm addicted to the sort of science shows on, you know, you know Nova and all those kind of shows. <laughs> I you know, would have thunk. I, yeah, no, I'm addicted <laughs> to them because, you know, I go, oh, well, there's so much in the world that I don't know about. Like, I didn't really know about condensation. <laughs> did you care? No, I didn't really care. But once I learned, I said, oh, it's kind of fascinating. And it? did you bring it up in conversation? Do you bring condensation up in conversation? Well, I kind of do. Okay. You know, I go, wow, that's how it works. That's fantastic. <laughs> to me, there's a conversation yeah, killer. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) But, you know, so much of scientific research can also be what you are just saying, like, kind of random, like you're doing it, you're going along, and then then just sort of like there's an accident. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? When we read these great stories, Thomas Edison or, you know, Marie Curie or whatever – Frequently, there's that weird, like there's a spill on the floor or something. Or do you know what I mean? And sure, I go, do. Oh, I do oh, know what look, you mean. There's, there's a burn there. So frequently, random things happen that create that other moment where you go, "Oh, you know what? 
I think I'm going to do it this way. That you just sort of have to be open to that, too, for the positive as well as the negative. Exactly. That which leads me to, do you think in your career there has been enough material for you? Well, no, that's why I do my own material, you know. But that just makes you more versatile, too. Yes, you know, yes. your one-women shows are over there. Right. And then your roles in the theater are over here, you know, right. and then and, and the musical is over here. Yes, and I've had a strange trajectory. It's not sort of a normal course. I didn't go to Juilliard. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to conservatory or whatever, you know. I, so I, are you a bit of an anomaly in this business? I would... I think there's a lot of people like me, but I would say that my trajectory has been a, even a little quirkier than most. Okay. You know, I mean, Charles Bush and I, a number of us got together. Basically, we were in a crackdown, you, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you know, in the 80s, uh, doing Vampire Lesbians of Sodom. So that's sort of right then and there. It's not a normal trajectory. <laughs> no, I think not. Um, yeah. But this is a crowded field. There's never quite enough roles in a sense, for anyone, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. except Merrill, right? Except right, Merrill's right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I suspect that for a long time, you know, even people like Glenn Close and Jessica Lange were like, "Oh, her again." <laughs> I mean, that's the name of the novel, the, the, yeah. the, the biography. Of, yeah, it's called Her Again. So the field is crowded. So you have to find your way mm-hmm. through the crowd. So there's never, in a sense, enough roles for anyone except Merrill. So you have to constantly be rethinking, well, what do I want to do? What do I want to present? And how do I do that? But doesn't that get altered based on age? It Look at the three does. women you just named. You yes. know, they're all older women, you know, and then there's that whole issue of her again. But then there's not enough roles for all of us either in no. terms of older women. No. They're really, you know, we are climbing mountains and... The thing that, you know, I'm always fascinated, but I do remember reading this in, in the 90s, that men are not that interested in women's stories. Oh, gee, Julie. Hello. <laughs> and men... The woman... This should be called stating the obvious. Stating the obvious. <laughs> but men still control a lot of different factions of, well, yeah, you know, show mm-hmm. business. Mm-hmm. And... When when you have a very large portion of the population saying, well, I'm not interested, people are going to go, well, I'm not going to make that. I'm not going to spend millions of dollars of on course, that because we're this. not going to, you know. I say just screw them. You know what I mean? Like well, do, mean? women have to do what they want. Yeah, but you also – it would be great if you could control everything. And Sometimes you're at the mercy of all these other factors. Absolutely you're at the mercy, but you just got to keep marching forward. I just think you have to just keep your eye on the prize. Just keep your eye on the prize. Yes, it may be frustrating. Yes, you may not – you know, uh, listen, we just found out, not that we didn't know this, but, you know, women stars don't make as much as men stars. Duh. Yeah. They're still fighting for that. You Shut know, up and to, you, move on. Yeah. You know, stop fetching. But no, I think you should kvetch. Yeah, I yet, agree. Yeah. Kvetch. But keep moving forward. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, say, I want my $19 million. Well, I'm not saying you should stop kvetching. It's the powers that be that, you know, kind of shrug. Their, oh, here she goes again. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. No, no, no. We're just keep move going. Move the needle. No, you know? no. Move the needle. Give her the $19 million mm-hmm. and you stop kvetching. Yeah, right, right. You know, right. Mr. So-and-so. So it's a hard one because, you know, you can get very bitter in this world. But bitterness does not get you anywhere. Action. Action gets you places. But as you get older, 
are you in a better place? Not in your own head. Are you in a better place professionally? Because there's also that lament about I'm getting older and there's the roles are scarcer. Yes, they are. I I feel kind of lucky. Okay. I have to say. Uh, is that what it is? It's of, luck. Well, uh, I'm not really sure, but I've always been a character actress. Even when I was like 25, mm-hmm. I was a character actress. Character actresses can age. You know, I was never the beauty. I was never, you know, the The ingenue. ingenue. Mm -hmm. So we're allowed to age. I am part of a very small group, particularly here in New York, of character women who are funny, Mm -hmm. who seem to work all the time. Much to your surprise, really, um, or no? A little bit much to my surprise, yes. Mm -hmm. So I'm lucky that way. I mean, I know a lot of talented people, a lot of talented people, and they're not working as much as they should. They really are not. And mm-hmm. it's and I think it's a shame. I really do. But, you know, here's the other thing. We now live in a world of social media, popularity, Twitter followers, uh, you know what I mean? Facebook hits, sure. mm-hmm. internet stars. But it's really difficult out there. It's to really kind of carve your way to through. To carve your way and to make a name for yourself. And that's why I was, I think, happy to do a lot of different things. Mm. I'll host the drama desks or I'll do my own one-woman show or I'll do a Broadway show. Then I'll do a podcast with a friend. Sure. There's a lot of people who they do one thing and one thing only. You know what I mean? Like they can just... Sing. Yeah, I understand. Uh-huh. And I'm finding more and more that in this world that we live in today, you have to be able to do everything in a sense. You know, you have to have multiple hmm. skills. I remember when I came to New York, there were singers, there were dancers, and there were actors. You didn't really have to be a triple threat. And there was very little crossover? Very little crossover. And so where were you? You were an actor. Oh, well, no, I was on the street. I was doing nothing. <laughs> I was getting a divorce and, and struggling to make a living. I was just looking in from the window like Stella Dallas, you know, oh, someday. But over the years, over the years, triple threats have become very common. Mm-hmm. Now, these kids are coming out of wherever, yeah. colleges or conservatories or whatever, programs, and they all can sing. They can all dance. They're acrobatic. You know, they can do rap. They, they could do, you, you know, they've got circus skills. I mean, I'm not joking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, well, I can do trapeze, <laughs> rap. I can dance. And then I, I can do a monologue I from Eugene, monologue O'Le- Eugene O'Neill. <laughs> exactly. Long Day's Journey. And I do wigs on the side. And you're like, what the heck? These kids are crazy talented. So that already leaves out a lot of people. I remember when I was doing a, a hairspray, one of the um, American Idol people. Contestants. Uh-huh. Came in, Diana DeGarmo. Do you remember Diana DeGarmo? I know that she name, was like, yes. Oh, the first yeah. season or something. Yes. Lovely girl, uh-huh. beautiful, lovely, talented girl. So, you know, there I am being very grand, you know, Miss Broadway. I said, so, Diana, you know, how are you? Uh, no, when did you start singing, Diana, you know? And she said, well, I've been performing professionally since I was like four years old. And I was like, what the heck? Yeah. Uh-huh. These kids are, I mean, they started 
as little babies. There are more Shirley Temples today mm-hmm. than there were in when, Good way of when, when Shirley Temple was yes, alive. Yes, absolutely. So reflect on your career. Are you where you want to be? Is there, again, I sometimes ask Not this really. If I, I was mean, your fairy godmother, yeah. what would you ask of me? One of the things I'm excited about with Murder on the Orient Express is that I'm playing a really big lead. Mm-hmm. And I would As like opposed to, to a supporting role. Exactly. I mean, you know, I'm always the one they, they go, oh, scene stealer, Julie Halston. Mm-hmm. You know, it's fun to steal c- scenes, but it's really fun to play a lead. I would think so. And Although that could be overwhelming, even though that's a goal, that the show, you, you're carrying yes. the show on your shoulders. Well, I mean, Poirot is really carrying the show, but it's fun to really play one of the big principles. I hear you. Mm-hmm. And it's a great role, and she's a great character, Mrs. Hubbard. Did you have to audition for that, or did they just come no, to you? they did come. And is that typical at this point in your career, it, when it you is. get the phone call, we want you? Yes, it is. Boy, and that's that a lovely be. place. No kidding. That's a lovely place, because I've never been a great auditioner, and I hate auditioning. Um, so, yeah, no, that's been The wonderful. street cred is worth a tremendous amount. It, it was. Amount. It wow. was. Mm-hmm. So that's been great. So I got this call, and I would like to play more leading roles. That's my big goal for the next couple of years is I want is that a real Is that a realistic goal? I don't know. We'll find out. That's one of the things about doing this show. Is in terms of exposure then? Ex- well, yeah. Different I mean, exposure. Looking different at you in a, di- in a different light? In, yeah, and it may be hard because people really love to peg people. And mm-hmm. they go, oh, get Julie Holson. She's hilarious. She'll do those two scenes. She'll come in. She'll be funny, blah, blah, blah. So that's what I've been known as. And there are people who may go, oh, she can't play the lead. You know what I mean? So it might be a bit of a perception issue. It might be. Uh-huh. But I'm going to I'm gonna see how this goes. You know, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to play a woman of a certain age who switches. She has more colors mm-hmm. than just funny. She has a real emotional journey. Are you excited combined with nervous? Mm-hmm. And that leads me to, at some point, do we ever give that up? Of course I should be playing this role. Of course I should be doing the Lauren Bacall role. Um, well, I, I don't feel that way because I think this, this business is so tricky. I, I mean, you know, look, every performer I know always says, well, I, I want more. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to do this or I want to do that. And, you know, and I have a lot of famous friends who are, do a lot. And they're always thinking, well, I'd like to do this or I'd like to... Go into you know what I mean? Yeah. Creative people, I think, are always looking to expand. Sure. But it's a tricky business, and we can't. There's no guarantees, as Lin Manuel said in his speech. There, are, there's no guarantees. There's no promises. Mm-hmm. We can only do what we do. And there's a great deal of acceptance that comes with the, being a creative person at a certain point, and that's hard. It's painful. You well, know? because you're always out out there in a different way than just going and making the donuts. Exactly. You know, and and, and that it's just not a straight line. It's not a straight line. And mm. you're always going to be judged. That's the other thing. Yes, of course. You're you're out there, you know. It's not like you're sitting by yourself in a room and you have a staff where, you know what I mean, where you're all kind of doing it together, particularly when you're doing your own one-woman show. It's just you out there. I wanted to go there. Is that one of the most rewarding parts of your career Mm, mm -hmm. and that people are coming just to see you and you are just sharing who you are with them. Yes, it is. Would you like to do that more or is it too exhausting? Uh, It's pretty exhausting, but 
No, I don't necessarily need to do it more. It is very rewarding. And when you have an audience in the palm of your hand, there's nothing quite like that. But when you have the audience in the palm of your hand on in a Broadway show, you know, that's equally as rewarding. The one-woman show, stating the obvious, it's only about you. Right. And that's an interesting thing. And when doesn't that work? You said when it works. I mean, I've been lucky. It has always worked. And yet, well, you know, is it luck or the fact that you're funny? Yeah. No, I mean, but on the other hand, I've done bits that haven't worked. Mm-hmm. You know, you're mm-hmm. always saying, yeah. oh, you go, OK, scrap that. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. was that was a bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Things like that. Dare we say you do have to have that armadillo skin. Yeah, I'm sure you do. You really do. Did and you always have it? No, no. I was really I ran away frightened. You and know, so there's this insecurity. A that... lot of insecurity. And I think one of the reasons I got into the business later is because I just couldn't get myself to dip my toe in that water. You know, it was too hard. I came out of college. I didn't know what I was doing. It was too frightening for me. Well, did you? Is that was that your goal down the road as you were growing up to be a performer? Yes. So yes. that was always something that you want. It's not like I would like to be, you know, a computer scientist. No, you no. Know, you... I always wanted to be a performer. I didn't know how to do it. I couldn't figure it out, or I, I didn't have. I certainly didn't have any connections. Did you have a mentor? I didn't really have a mentor. Mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. I did start studying at the Terry Schreiber studio. And I'm still very friendly with the Terry Schreiber studio. They were very helpful. And it was actually Terry Schreiber who said to me, you know, I know you would like to play Hedda Gabler someday, (laughs) but I think you should explore your funny side because you're really funny. Mm -hmm. And he was the one who really suggested I sort of write my own material and whatnot. And I, along with a friend, Kenny Pearl, who was a dancer, who was a dancer uh, with Alvin Ailey, we did a show called An Evening of Dilemmas, Halston and Pearl. And we actually did a circuit. And one of the gigs we did, who was on the bill with us, but Nathan Lane. Wow. Wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I've known Nathan Lane since like 1980. Mm-hmm. Well, you married him in, and uh, I married in, him in, in Sex, in in the Sex City. and the City. So that was really an important step for me because I thought, oh, well, maybe I will explore the funny side. And then it became a natural and act, And then huh? it became a natural thing. And let's face it, I was from Long Island. It would be hard to play Hedda Gabla when you're talking like this. It's a little difficult. <laughs> yeah. Although I would like to see that Hedda Gabla. Uh-huh. That would be a Hedda Gabla I might want to see. You own that Hedda Gabla. Exactly. Uh-huh. Bang, bang, you're dead. <laughs> I don't like you. You're annoying me. Right. Get right. out of here. <laughs> I'd come see that mm-hmm, production. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's my Hedda Gabla. So it was a strange thing. And then I, you know, I, I hooked up with Charles Bush and, you know, Blah, blah, blah. The rest is off-Broadway history. Mm -hmm. But it's my journey, dare I use that word, is not the sort of traditional Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. typical Mm -hmm. journey. You know, many people have different stories. Well, it's worked for you. And it's it doesn't have to me. be analyzed. Exactly. You know? I it mean, worked. You, and as I see by the clock that we're running out of time, what I ah. wanted to, to know is where are you today? You feel good. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you're in a good place and you know that there's a good long road ahead of you. Yes, I do feel that way. I have great representatives. I have a wonderful agent and manager. Dare I say I have, uh, I think, a very good relationship with the Broadway community. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. a community I adore. 
I love. Well, it's obviously very, mutual admiration it, society, it's huh? A, it's a comfortable community mm-hmm. for me. And this is where I really feel most comfortable. It's where it's my wheelhouse. Gotcha. It's where you belong. It's where I belong. It's audiences seem mm-hmm. to, you mm-hmm. know, go with it. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to keep going. I'm just going to keep going and going and going. And, and you know, and then at a certain point, I'll just drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> bang, bang. Bang, bang. She drops dead. Yes. It's so nice even – because some people at our age don't have a strong sense of self. No. How wonderful to be able to shed that coat and be in the moment and be where you are and know what your strong suit is and what you're not interested in. Not say, oh, I can't do it. I'm not interested in doing I'm it. I'm not you know? interested. You can't keep going back. Well, in the past, I did this. Or in the past, or second or, guessing, or second guessing, or oh my goodness! But when I was, you know, forty, or that, you gotta keep. You gotta be like a shark. Mm-hmm. You gotta keep moving forward, mm-hmm. moving forward. And you know, if something doesn't work, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Don't linger. And we live in a society where you know, young and beauty is you know. Well, when you're when you're not that, yeah. What mm-hmm. do you do? Mm-hmm. You make your own way. And you surround yourself with people that love you. And that will really get you through a lot. It really will. And you create your own rules. That's the great thing about being older. Mm. You create your own rules. You don't you don't listen to the rules of, you know, right. you don't have to bend the way yeah, you yeah, did yeah, in yeah, the yeah. past. Yeah. You you create your own rules. That's a great way to end. Yeah. It really is. Thanks for your advice. Oh, Julie. It's great to be here and congratulations. Will you be here for 300? Absolutely. (laughs) I I don't plan on dying now. Much more continued success. Who doesn't love Julie Halston? Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. (laughs)